From Tally to Cali, it's time to wake up. Warchant.com is your ultimate seminal sports source. And this is Wake Up Warchant, presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. One more, now here's Warchant.com's ass on Hunch of Andy and Corey Clark. Wake up! What is up, everybody? It's Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Coming up on today's show, Mike Norvell gives a report card of the off-season workouts at his booster stop this past weekend. What one segment has to rise up for a huge 2024 for Florida State? And wrapping up everything else around the world of Florida State sports this past weekend. Wake Up War Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, Tallahassee, Florida. CPTallyBar.com, the website. Check them out. 2475 Appalachian Parkway. Put that in your GPS, kids. Monday, build your own burger, everybody with a solid foundation, that foundation being one half pound black Angus burger, delicious lettuce, tomato, onion, of course, and a side dish of your choice. Straight fries, curly fries, onion rings, potato salad, coleslaw, broccoli, side salad, tater tots, or freshly cooked potato chips, usually $12.99, but only $8.99 from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. today over at the Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. Go check them out, everybody. Hope you enjoyed your weekend at the uh, CP, watching uh, good hoops, mm. watching uh, the big game, if you will. Right. Um, what an absolute classic on Sunday, by the way, Corey. Just absolute uh, back-and-forth battle. Uh, yeah. Two great programs, uh, two great teams. Uh, just unfortunate to see. Um, you know, we hear all these things about legacies and, you know, making that next step and, and, and deserving uh, your kind of your flowers and, and such. And, man, Florida State's so close. Uh, almost took it a triple overtime against Notre Dame on Sunday at the Tucker. Uh, right. Notre Dame, 98-94. Uh, right. I mean, the Knowles shot 50% from the field, uh, 39% from behind the arc, and, and still weren't able to bring home the, the, the victory. And it just shows you just how difficult how um, you know how difficult this, this grind of a season really can be. Sure, and uh, people should know that uh, we were recording this before uh, the, the Super Bowl, and I'm allowed to say it. You I don't are. care. We just, NFL. We can't do like a, a, a Super Bowl sale at Vitamin right. Energy. But like yeah. you and I can talk about the actual event, the Super Bowl, as long as we're not trying to like profit off of it. And you and I actually can't. Uh, because we this is recorded before uh, the game was played, but I'm going to go ahead and assume, hey, either congra- congratulations, all you 49ers fans out Woo. there. It's been a long time. Uh, it's been what? How long has it been? 95? Since the 49ers won? Yeah. 94? 94? Steve 95? Young was the quarterback, yeah, beat, right? Beat, you know the quarterback he beat? Uh, yeah, it was uh, the guy for the Chargers. Yeah, Stan Humphreys. Stan Humphreys. Golly, I was going to get there. I would have gotten there. Sorry, eventually. sorry, sorry. I, I believe right. you. I trust but, you. But uh, also congratulations to Chiefs fans out there. That's mm. a great – another great uh, resume booster for Mahomes, who is quickly becoming uh, probably the best that's ever done it. So uh, congratulations to all you Chiefs fans out there, too, depending on how the game went. Yeah, or he's an absolute gag artist if he lost. Because, yeah, yeah, know, I can't believe he threw four picks. Lost, that was crazy. He's lost two out of his last three Super Bowls. What a bum. And, man, I can't tell you how mad I am that they showed Taylor Swift. I can't tell you. I'm here to watch football, gang, not Taylor Swift. Oh, man. Uh, it was a bit, uh, busy weekend. We'll get to all of it. Uh, let's talk about football, though. Let's We can't talk about the big game, but we'll talk about your favorite football team. That's Florida State. And a shout-out to the big homie, Irish Chauffel, uh, just making plays. I mean, as a journalist, it's hard to be a playmaker. But right. what Gene Williams has created, Warchant.com, is a uh, – is a brand of journalism for playmakers. Ira Schofel, uh, first and foremost, one of our guys, spends eight hours on a Saturday evening driving down to Orlando, round trip, driving down there, hang out at the booster function. Mike Norvell, his first stop on. I think he'll have nine more 
stops. You know, he's actually doing a stop in Chicago. I think it's a, it's a yeah. private event, but it'll be in Chicago. How about that? What's that about? I don't know, man. Old money. Old good money up there. <laughs> I guess so. Big yeah, 10? Get... Big 10 uh, power hold, you know, maybe hey, stop hey, in Chicago? Hey, not saying, just saying, right? right? Just saying. It's weird that he's in Chicago, pretty close to Indianapolis. They're probably meeting at a... Uh... Uh, there's a pretty. There's some famous restaurants in Chicago, right? Yeah. Maybe they're just going to the top of the uh, Sears Tower, get a, or whatever get a, it's called, Hancock Tower. Get a good slice of pizza, DiGiorno, not DiGiorno's, uh, Giordano's. Giordano's, yeah. Giordano's. Sit there and wait an hour for some lasagna <laughs> to come out to you, and they call it pizza. Uh, but lots of that was discussed. Um, I guess you know, I don't know chronologically in terms of what was said, but you know, I think he mentioned that this is the most workload that they've had performed. I guess after the first week of off-season workouts, or I don't know if it's been one or two weeks of tour of duty, which is interesting because, you know, I understand, like, they've been here longer, this coaching staff, the strength staff, but, man, these aren't the same dudes from the last three, four years. There's there's a lot of new guys, so I don't know how much there is to extrapolate from that, but I guess it's obviously an encouraging thing. Corey, when you're bringing in all these new players, your roster is turning over. There's a little bit of a churn going on there. Yet you're able to, I don't know, exert these guys more. You're getting more quality kind of, you know, exertion and, and work from them. That's um, that 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 stood out to me because again, man, this is these are new guys, but somehow they're they're working even harder maybe than the guys before them. Are you talking about the guys we talked to on Friday? I uh, lost you. Yeah, it would have to be. I would assume. I mean, not only the guys that we've spoke to, but the I'm ones- sorry, you you were talking about Ira, so I thought you were going to talk about Norvell and what he said at the booster. Yeah, event. that's what he said. Oh, that everybody's working harder than yeah. everybody that they have in the past. Yeah, I don't put a ton of stock into that because number one, I I I do trust that because like we've talked about, I think that's the that's the 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 program that he's cultivated is you're not you're not coming into Florida State to half it, man. There's a plenty of other schools in the country you can go do that where the coaches aren't on you 24-7. I promise you. If you're the kind of guy um, that doesn't want to work hard, that just kind of wants to skate by, you wouldn't be at Florida State, especially a transfer kid. So that doesn't surprise you at all, does it? That the new and, and honestly, the same goes for the high school kids. I think they're mature enough now in this day and age, half of them early enroll, more than half, I think, these days early enroll. So they're already mature, more mature bunch than most. You're not going to come to Florida State as an 18-year-old kid if you don't want to if you're going to be if it's going to be such a shock to your system to actually work hard. So I do think they not only do they cultivate that in the in the program, but that's what they attract. They attract guys that that uh that are going to work hard, that are going to try to outwork the guys that were there before. Them. And that man, what a what what a what a cool function of your program that you know you're going to get guys and just because of who you are as a coach and what you've built as a program that they don't come just to to you know get their flowers and be, you know, kind of average workers. I mean, they're all they, – they, got to work hard. Why would you be here if you weren't going to work hard? I don't know, but, man, you know, Jaheim Bell was here last year. Jared Verse was here yeah. last year. I, I think Braden was maybe injured, so he might have not had the GPS strapped to his body to track what he was doing. But, like, the guys that have left, I mean, they've – like you said, they're further along. They've put in they've, – they've had more, like, impressive numbers in terms of their workload. Uh, just – that's you know we can't take a lot out of what that's going to mean for you know right you're going to convert your third downs at a better clip because of how you perform in January and in early February I don't know but uh, I thought that was impressive and and I get it like you know what do you want to say as long like I don't you can just be like hey we're having a really good offseason like really satisfied with how everybody's working uh he doesn't necessarily have to share the fact that you know they've they've set new marks but that's obviously really cool 
Uh, and then the, this quarterback, this DJ Uyunglele, uh, we don't know his health status. There's a couple people around the, the, the city uh, that have spotted him out in the wild. I think even if you look at some of the photos, I have not seen it, but I should pull it in front of me so I can let you know whether it's his throwing hand or not. But apparently he's got uh, some kind of dressing, uh, splint, uh, bandaging on one of his hands uh, around his thumb. So we don't know the... Uh, just how much that's going to affect his availability, if anything, for this upcoming spring. But he kind of walked through why he ended up pursuing Uyunglele, what DJ did to uh, kind of, uh, you know, create, uh, you know, a mindset that that Norvell can get behind as being the leading leader of his uh, program here. Because, you know, he mentioned that they, they looked at three games together on film. I think he said it was Washington State, Oregon, and Washington I guess one game where he thrived, one game that was a little bit dicey, and then maybe one game where he had some struggles, just to kind of go through and, and see what he saw and if he knew what he did wrong and how he would fix it. Uh, also shared an anecdote about, I don't know, it was probably two years ago then, maybe three years ago at uh, ACC Media Days, where uh, you know Uyunglele came up to Norvell and asked him about Winston Wright and how Winston Wright was doing. This was after Winston yeah. had first got to Florida State and got into that car accident. That kind of just showed you know, what kind of human being he is, what kind of man he is. Uh, and then he married that together with how he looks at the game and just his natural skill set. And that's kind of uh, the reason why they're here at this point with picking DJ as, as the leader of the program. That's yeah, cool you know, that's uh, – I, I was kind of uh, – that that was cool to see. I, that, I thought that was a lot of insight into a person uh, that – because DJ doesn't have a relationship with Winston Wright, as far no, as I know. No. Like, Winston Wright was at West Virginia. Uh, DJ was at Clemson. And then for him, like, I think Winston Wright's accident was maybe in April. And then the media days was, like, late July. So you're talking about three months later. For DJ to see the head coach of another university and just go, not for any strategic or schematic advantage, just, hey, man, how is Winston Wright doing? That, I don't know why. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm making too much of that. I just think that speaks – uh, a, a pretty good amount to somebody's character. So, like, even so many people, including myself, I'll be honest, if I was in DJ's shoes uh, starting at Clemson, the last thing I would think of is Winston Wright, some transfer-wide receiver. Is he okay? I mean, I want him to be alive, but after I find out he's alive, it's like it, it wouldn't even occur to me to think about that again. It says in but July. He, I mean, that's kickoff That's what July. I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So three months later, this wasn't right after it happened. Three months later, he goes up and asks Norvell about it. I don't know. I just think that uh, uh, probably speaks a, a good bit to who he is. And I have a couple of the other instances of things like that from other events over the last few days when we get to it. But we, we can stick with Norvell for now if you want. Yeah. Um, well, no. Go ahead and pivot to where you want to pivot to in there. So uh, on Friday, we got to talk to – was it was it only three – when did we get to talk oh, to yeah. Croman Hawk? Yeah, that was Friday. We had Croman Hawk, uh, Landon Thomas, and THC, Tamir Hickman-Collins. So Croman Hawk, man, again, I was not going to write another column. I already did that with our guy from West Virginia about just how impressive he was at the podium and his answers. But you can't not watch Croman Hawk in the way he talks and think – okay, there's a chance he's going to be the face of this program for a couple of years. Not this year, but when he wins the job, he could be one of those guys, could be, if he's as good as people think he can be, he could be one of those guys that other fan bases get sick of hearing about and, and hearing people are watching on TV all the time. Um, not, that he's not, a, uh, not that he's not a good kid because he seems like an exceptionally good kid, but just like, oh, they're going to they're gonna start uh, praising this kid again. Oh, here we go again. If you had a daughter, you'd want him to marry Luke Cromanhawk. You're going to hear these guys. Like, I just, 
not I wasn't blown away because I'd heard him talk before and I knew he was a, a mature kid, but just the way he handled himself in that moment. It was like 15, 17-minute interview, uh, perfect answers for a kid his age. And the fact that he, you, you know, the, the leadership part of the job really is a big deal. Like, people can roll their eyes, and I, I there might be a few kids in the class of 24 that might roll their eyes at uh, Luke Cromenhawk texting them all the time or calling them all the time. Like, all right, Luke, man, yeah, I'm committed. I'm, you don't have to quit. You can quit texting me, man. I promise I'm coming. I'll see you in Tallahassee in December. But the fact that he was texting Landon Thomas saying, hey, man, how's it going? Just checking up on his games. And then going down to Sarasota to see Charles Lester's uh, commitment. I think, didn't he go to KJ's too, KJ Bolden's? I don't I, know for sure. I know that didn't work out either way. No. But either way, Savannah to Sarasota isn't easy to get to. Savannah to anywhere isn't easy to get to. My man and his dad were going around to these uh, to, to these ceremonies or keeping in touch, you know, contacting defensive linemen, not just wide receivers, anybody in the class trying to foster a relationship with them. That's part of the job. It's something that Jordan Travis had to learn. And when he learned it, he was great at it. But he, you know, 2021, 2020 Jordan Travis, he wasn't a leader. But that position, you have to be one. Are you almost certainly need to be one? Like, I guess you don't have to be, but most all the great ones have that leadership in them. And whether he's faking it or this is really who he is, it almost doesn't matter. Those guys are going to think that Luke Cromanhawk cares about them like they're part of his family because that's how he treats them. And I just think that's a really, that's a really, cool, de- a really cool touch. Like, look, if, he, if he's not good on the football field, none of this matters. But if he is good on the field – that is a uh, that that's like a miscellaneous trait that can really come in handy, man. I just I don't think you can overstate how important that is for that position um, to, to be, you know, to, to be a. That's an intangible that you really need. That's what Jameis. You know, they're different kids, obviously, but Jameis was not only a great player, but he was a galvanizing force for that team. And I think Cromanhawk, maybe, maybe a different way. Maybe could be something like that too if he turns out to be good. Yeah, there's nothing. Did I read too much into that, Aslan, or were you impressed by it too? I wasn't over. I mean, I don't want to say I was not impressed, but yeah, I don't. I didn't. I didn't have to write a story week a week and a half ago about how great the kids were at the podium. So I, I would have to zag and go a different direction in terms of talking about Luke Cromanhawk. But no, I see it, man. You know, uh, obviously having going to like a military school, the kids are gonna yeah. have a, a different level of polished to him or whatever but it it, it felt sincere like this, yes. this felt like a kid who like he's always wanted to be the quarterback not just to be the cool kid but like he wants to be the quarterback because he wants to lead he wants the pressure he wants to he wants to help the guys around him he wants to to lead man you know just it's it's a natural thing for people you you cannot you know I, I think Jordan obviously has those qualities I don't know why uh, you know what had to happen for it to really for him to grow into it this past season um, but you know, people are on different journeys, but this kid apparently has had this since like day one. Um, and I really am interested to see how he'll look in the spring because, you know, listen, man, the high school recruiting of quarterbacks has not been great either. We can sit here and, and, and talk about Alex Atkins and what he's done, uh, for offensive line recruiting and not really working out all that well. Well, you know, it's probably time to hit on one of these guys too. Uh, and we'll see if Brock or him can can maybe take a a, a step in front of the other yeah. behind DJ and then set themselves up for success the the following year. But 
I just hope it's not like a Luke Altmyer situation because Luke Altmyer was a kid that nobody was really recruiting. Florida State was on him first. Norvell was on him first. And then he all of a sudden becomes a really hot commodity and, and goes to Ole Miss, doesn't work there, goes to Illinois, doesn't work there. Uh, and then obviously, you know, A.J. Duffy, Chubba Purdy, Tate Rodemaker. So, you know, Brock and, and, and you know, Luke got hit on one of these guys. Uh, and both seem to have good moxie. So yeah, you I like do. I like I. I definitely like Brock Glenn's moxie. Uh, Croman Hawk just. I don't know, man. I, that just he had the air of. He's not just happy to be here. He expects great things of himself. Like the confidence it takes and the self belief. Like he could wonder, like, man, Charles Lester doesn't want me here. What am <laughs> I doing here? Like he, the fact that, hey, man, I'm your quarterback. I'm coming to your ceremony. I'm or your signing uh, your announcement. Um, I'm coming. I, I and you don't live right down the road. I swear, I think he went to Bolden's too. Which I can't Luke, find anything that. Shows oh, okay, that then maybe did. he didn't. I thought he went to a couple of them, but I might be wrong. But either way, um, going to Charles Lester's thing and and having a relationship with Landon Thomas and these other guys, and a couple of them were like, "Yeah, man, Luke's my guy." Like, just it it takes a certain uh, chutzpah to even think that like you're wanted there. Not that guys are mean to you, know what I mean? But like, self awareness. Hey, I'm the I'm the quarterback. You're a big part of my my recruiting class. You're a big part of my future team. I want to show you how important you are by showing up. I just I, that's a that's a cool thing. I don't know. I I don't know why that uh why that stuck me the way it did, but it or struck me the way it did, but it did. I and uh yeah, he's just a he comes off very mature. You know, the first question I asked him was essentially, what are you looking to get out of this year? Because you're not going to play unless something goes wrong. Because you're, you know, you got a fifth-year senior ahead of you, and uh, you know, he's like, "Look, I'm there to compete. Like, I'm not basically saying I'm not here to make it easy on anyone. He's he's going to try to soak up as much as he can, but on the field and in the weight room, he's he's ready to compete. And you know, he's got all eyes dead set on 2025. And I just like the steps that he's taking right now. That he might not just be a viable option in 2025. He might be the real deal. Then again, he also might be terrible. We'll see, everyone. We'll we'll see. But I, I just liked – I really did. I was really encouraged and impressed with what I saw uh, from him on uh, um, on Friday when he talked to us. Hedgy McHenderson over here just, you know. Hey, man, wait. I can't. You can't. I don't want to be one, here two years one, from now where he's tr transferring to Florida Atlantic. One freezing cold takes tweet forever alter the trajectory of Corey's <laughs> argumentative style. You know, it's funny about that. It, it I just you watch these people that just say things so concretely and it's like what are y'all doing? Like how do you live life like that? Life isn't black and white. Like I think he's I think he has a chance to be really good, but when you get to my age, Aslan, you'll be there soon enough. Yeah, I know. When you get to my age and you see like 100% certainties go the complete other way, you, and you get burned by it enough, you have enough common sense to be like, I'm going to live in the gray. I don't know anything. I really honestly don't know anything. I think things, and I have their hypothesis. They're educated opinions, but they're just opinions we don't know. Uh, so, yeah, I because uh, I'll be honest with you, the first time I saw Jameis Winston throw a football when Jimbo let us watch the open practice his freshman year, um, I'm like, what is that? That kid's a five-star? Mm. That was 2012, folks. So I kind of learned right around that about 11 or 12 years ago when I was in my mid-30s. Hey, man, you don't have to be so cocksure all the time. You don't know anything. Just, you know, so that's how I kind of try to live my life. Yeah, I forgot there because Merrill Hodge, Merrill Hodge went viral the other day uh, because I guess apparently he buried, he absolutely buried Caleb Williams. Um uh, and everyone's like, well, man, like he knows what he's talking about. And they pulled up a clip 
of him on first take like 10 years ago when Manziel came out mm. and everybody's talking about Manziel, like, you know, maybe first round pick if not, you know, and he's just like, I don't draft him. Like, and he's just going through everything, yeah. just absolutely nailing everything on how wrong it would be to draft Johnny Manziel. And you're like, Oh man, that must be so awesome to be able to look back and be like, yeah, man called it. Called but there's, it. You know, when you talk that emphatically about something, there's like four things the other way where right. he was emphatic about something like Mahomes don't see it. Yeah. I don't see what or whatever it whatever it might be. McCaffrey's never going to be a good running back in this league. What, whatever he might have said, when you have to give opinions and make them strong for TV, yeah. like you have to dig in, you're always going to be burned. Uh, so yeah, he's. I'm sure he's got a few of those that were awesome. Like Colin Coward's had some really great takes over the years, and some absolutely horrendous ones yeah. in hindsight. You just never know. Um. If we only could all just take Focus Plus from Vitamin Energy mm. over at VitaminEnergy.com, our takes would age perfectly well. A good thing about Vitamin Energy doesn't go bad. Uh, just shake it and take it. Take the whole thing. Take half the shot. Put it in the fridge. I like putting it in the fridge. I feel like it tastes a little bit better when it's chilled. Uh, and then take it with you. I got some in the car. They've been in there for like a month, maybe. Pop it open. Not a big deal. Tastes great. That's how it works. Gives me all the energy I need. 260 milligrams of all-natural caffeine, as well as vitamins, packed into a little bottle that's not even two ounces to get you going through the day. Use the promo code WARCHAMPBOGO. That's WARCHAMP, B-O-G-O, and get an item for free. So put a box in your cart over at VitaMarriage.com. Put the WARCHAMPBOGO promo code in there, and then add another item that you want. Uh, get the variety pack. Maybe get the workout plus or the mood plus or the B12 14,000. Maybe get the eight hour sleep if you're having trouble falling asleep right now, um, which you shouldn't be because you just woke up and you're excited to listen to Corey and I. Just head to vitaminergy.com. Give it a shot. There are Knowles hooking you folks up with that promo code WordChampBogo. Shaking to take it, vitaminergy.com. Back to a couple things uh, from Saturday's availability with uh, Coach Norvell. Again, just shout out to Ira. Just way, way to be just a human being of epic proportions to go out there and chase this stuff down. I like the fact that he was asked about the snub, and he seems like he's kind of tired about talking about the snub, even though he really hasn't mm. talked about the snub all that much. Shout out, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, side note. You know what it is, I think? It's like he wants to uh, – not to interrupt you real quick. No, no, I do mind. think that, that I would be like that too if I was him. Because his job now is the 2024 season. Yes. He can't look back at that. He can't lament that. He has to be all about the 2024 season because he's in the middle of it and practice starts in a month or whenever it does. We're allowed to do it. We can, we'll lament it forever. We still talk about 2012 NC State, Jimbo. Uh, so we're going to always talk about 2023. But, yeah, I think it is smart for him, and it's mentally healthy for him to flush it and move on. Mm. Yeah. Um, forgot the side note thing I was getting. Sorry, yeah, no, sorry, no, buddy. No, the side note thing, talking to all these young uh, players, these newcomers, it's it's funny how they all, they'll call Coach Fuller, Coach Fuller. But most people, like, there's there's some Coach Norvell, but there's a lot of Mike. A lot of guys call him oh, Mike. Oh, is there? I haven't, I haven't noticed. I literally, yeah. I'm not, I'm not or, disagreeing with you. I just I hadn't noticed that. There's a lot of Mike and Coach Mike. Uh, there's some Coach Norvell, but, like, no one ever says Adam. You know, or Coach Adams. It's always like Coach Fuller, Coach Atkins. Everybody call him Alex or anything like that. Um, but, yeah, he, he's kind of, you know, processed that in a healthy fashion. Also, uh, you've mentioned, you know, anytime Kirk mentions anything has nothing to do with Florida State, uh, somehow people will get it onto that track and then start hammering him. And you mentioned that's what happens to Kim Kardashian. Yeah. And um, it also happens to, uh, I'm not going to call him my guy. 
Uh, but also happens to OJ Simpson. I noticed this because OJ. <laughs> I mean, dude, any time. Well, know, these three aren't like the other. One yeah. of these three is not quite like the other. <laughs> he, uh, I guess apparently he's battling cancer and somebody said that he might oh. be in hospice care. And he came out and was like, hospice? I'm not in hospice care. But then I, I, and I was cackling like an idiot in my house by myself on a Saturday night going through OJ's timeline and just reading every, he doesn't tweet all, he posts like these minute and a half, two minute videos that are just absolutely inane about like, Oh hey, this is the Super Bowl matchup. It's going to mm. be exciting. Good coaches, and everything's like. That's a, hey, by the way, that's a pretty good OJ. Yeah, well, no, that's really good OJ. To OJ. <laughs> but then, like the first comment will be like "killer take juice," and then another <laughs> one's just like, "He's like, oh, it's cold out here on the golf course today." And someone's like, "You know, when it's cold out, it's really important to wear gloves and keep track mm, of where the gloves." Yep. And just everything he posts comes back yep. to, you know, his ex-wife. Yeah, and her I, lover. hey, buddy, it, 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 I, I, I can promise you. I don't know the first thing about OJ post it's the been White 30 Bronco. Years. It's been thirty uh, years. No, but I'm going to tell you, I do not think he reads the the replies. Okay, yeah. You know, I think he's smart enough, Kirk. Every time to Kirk, re- OJ, to, to not read the replies because can you imagine him like taking umbrage with that kind of stuff <laughs> and just like fighting back, like coming back at him, uh, say that to my face, like stuff like that. Just losing yeah. his mind. Oh man! But anywho, so that, I thought about that this weekend, and Kirk, after hearing Coach Norvell talk about you know last season how he's kind of moving forward. But you know, we keep talking about quarterbacks, obviously, because Jordan Travis being gone—that's the most important position in all of team sports. But you know, Jeff and Tom have talked about this on the Jeff Cameron show, and you've mentioned it too—that the fact that you know this this could be a, a new—I don't want to say new and improved, but I guess maybe new and improved offense, right? They've they've got speed maybe in a, in a fashion that they didn't have previously. And, you know, Ira asked Coach Norvell about that. Like, was that by design? Did it just kind of work out that way? You know, and he mentioned that, you know, they do have explosive playmakers, and that was kind of part of the plan. So I wonder, like, you know, is this marrying DJ's arm strength and trying to create some, some new looks uh, that maybe Jordan and, and the offense last year necessarily didn't need to, to rely on that's going to open up other things? I mean, just... How different do you think this offense will look with speed? Um, you know, there was size galore last year. Maybe speed is is the new uh, superlative or the, the new trait that's in, in spades on this offense. Yeah, that's the element that you have to wonder about, right? Is uh, is are are they that gives you hope that it? I, I just that when we I just want people to understand that when when people talk about the offense in twenty twenty four being better than the one last year. Like the one middle of the season on, the one that wasn't healthy anywhere really, um, and had guys gutting through things, that and did not have a lot of speed on the outside. Maybe if you're healthier, this offense could be more productive than that offense was from the middle on. But I mean, obviously the offense was great the first month of the season. I thought um, had some really good moments against Duke when it finally got going. But it's also hard when you take a step back and you're like, okay. You're telling me an offense that lost Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, Jaheim Bell, and oh yeah, the Heisman candidate at quarterback is going to be better? All right, I'll see it. I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. Um, because that's a lot of production that you just lost. Even like a 70% Keon, and even a Johnny that missed two and a half games, and Jaheim was probably 75%. Those are big-time players, man. I think... The speed is going to add a unique element to it, and it will be much faster. But you're also not running a 4 by one You're playing football. So the speed helps, 
but to what end? To what? I mean, how much does it help? How, how much will it impact the actual scoreboard? Um, I wonder how much better will the off, if any, will the offensive line be? Because mm. I think that will dictate everything. Um, I, I, you're not going to be better at quarterback, but you might not be appreciably worse either. You got a solid quarterback. You're not going to be as good at running back. You don't feel like you're going to be as good at receiver, at least top shelf receiver. But then again, you're going to be better than you were against Pitt. You yeah. know, when you had no receivers. So you know, and you're going to be better than you were against like the really the rest of the way because you just had you you didn't have healthy guys. I that offensive line though, man. I just think if they can be. I don't even know how to quantify this. Fifteen percent better if they because this offensive line last year was maybe maybe a tick above average. C maybe. plus, like C maybe, plus. Yeah, a C plus. If they can be a B, just a solid B, hmm. that opens up so much more. And you're you're bringing in like number one, you're basically getting Robert Scott back after a year off, theoretically anyway. And you brought in, uh, you know, at least two other guys that you think could probably start or might start for you. Uh, and there's going to be some real healthy competition on that front five, and so you think it'll be better. You, you just think you'll be better maybe than you were with Emmanuel and Roddick at guard and Byers at tackle. That obviously won't be the lineup this year, and whoever, Darius at left tackle. You, you're going to be able to mix and match more. You're going to have more – you might have a better offensive line. And if you have a better offensive line, then I don't doubt that you can have a better offense. I think I think it's not so much the speed – that will dictate how much better this offense is going to be, if at all, or even the same. It, maybe it can equal what it did last year. I think it's going to come down to the line of scrimmage because they just they couldn't run the ball last year, Aslan. That's correct. You know, Benson would hit a big run every game or two. That was about it. They could not establish a running game, which is what Mike Norvell lives on. That's what they had done, at, even the bad years. That's what they had done at Florida State last year. They did not do it at all, not by their – standards anyway, if they can get back to that, then yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt that the, the offense could be as good or a little bit better, even with the loss of all that production. I feel like going into last season, we were just like, defense, hold just hold, hold the line. Be what you were in 2022. The onus is on the offense to be elite, to, to maximize Johnny and this Keon Coleman guy and this Jaheim Bell dude. Like, maximize, be elite. You have Jordan back. And then that's that's the recipe. And, you know, the offense did take a step forward, but it was really the defense that kind of took that big step ahead and, and at least, you know, second yeah. half of the season to put Florida State in the position of where they should have been, which is in the playoff. And we're, we can say, I, I agree with you. I think, like, speed seems to be, like, that one kind of key piece that, you know, not a key piece, but just something that's new. So I guess that makes it more exciting by virtue of just being new. Like, hey, let's see how this looks with a strong-arm quarterback thrown to guys that can run really fast, that have really good agility, that can get past guys. But it probably is more of a ba- – you know, defense wins you championships. Last year, that's kind of what it showed out to be. This coming season probably is – you're right. I guess it would be the offensive line taking a step forward because that just creates all sorts of better opportunities for the offense if these guys can, can hold their weight up front. But you you think it's going to be new pieces? I I, I feel like it, you know I know you lose Dimitri and, and Casey, but I feel like Keandre's probably the odds-on favorite to take one of those spots. Uh, you know maybe Darius takes the other guard spot if, if Ferguson doesn't end up seizing yeah, well, it or, what or Rizzi the, what from is, Harvard. I was gonna say, what does the kid from uh, Alabama do? Like they didn't bring him here to sit. 
And then you also got buyers. Like well, they didn't bring I mean, Keandre Jones to sit here last year, and he'd be well, sat a but, lot. You know, yeah, he did. So I, that's why I just wonder. I just wonder what, what they're going to end up being. I I think if they can get, I, I just don't think they were that strong in the interior last year. Uh, and it's weird, man. It's like um, I was just thinking while you were talking. I said all that stuff about how hard it is to believe that this offense uh, could be better with the loss of Keon and Johnny and Trey. Well, you know, they had Keon. They didn't have Keon in 22. They didn't have Jaheim in 22. Right. But you can't argue that at the end of 22, that offense was worlds better. They ran the like offense. The Dickens. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Than the offense at the end of 23. Uh, and I think that just had to do with the offensive line. I, I, you know, in, in, you know, obviously 23. I, I know, folks. The, the quarterback got hurt there at the end. But even before Jordan got hurt. Think about what the offense did to Miami in 22, and then think about the way that offense looked against Miami in 23. Like that's the one parallel that you can you are the, the that's where I can I think you can see what a dominating offensive line, and that was a dominant offensive line that night in in South Florida. If you can get back to that, it don't matter if you have Keon Coleman. You can have a Pokey Wilson or a Malik Benson. Or uh, uh, the kid from LSU, Jalen Brown. You could have those guys, Ja'Kai Douglas. You could put up 45 and 50 points without having surefire NFL draft picks if you have a good offensive line that can establish a running game. Mm. It's 17 minutes. Go check out the whole interview uh, with media, with Coach Norvell on Saturday. Go check it out. It's worth a listen. Last thing from that that also has to deal with, obviously, the offensive line. You know, he was asked about – the suspension or suspension is probably not the right word, but the, you know, the penalties that Florida state uh, was levied from the NCAA in terms of their rec recruitment of a, of a player and uh, Alex Atkins getting a show cause things of that nature. That, that was like a negotiated settlement. Like the NCAA worked with Florida state, Florida state worked with the NCAA cooperated to a certain degree and kind of came to agreement like, okay, we'll do this. We'll we'll take the reduced days of, rec of, of recruiting calendar time. We'll take the show cause. We'll take a reduction of scholarships. So, like, I thought, you know, when you kind of work hand-in-hand hand with the people that are enforcing the rules, like, that's, like, it's almost like taking a plea bargain for somebody mm. out there. But he was asked about, you know, whether they'll ask for, like, a waiver, I think was the, the, the term that was used with Atkins not being available, or I don't think he said appeal. I think it was like, uh, you know, seeing if they could uh, work around it and get uh, an exception made. I just, I wonder if that's like the standard thing that happens, like when, it, when a coach gets fired, like, you know, the interim coach gets promoted and then they have to see if they can get one of their, you know, analysts promoted up to be an on-field coach. But Norvell's like, yeah, like we'll, we'll have more details when we get closer to that, but it's something that we're pursuing. So it sounds like maybe they're not going to, maybe fully take their medicine. It mm. sounds like they want to try to create maybe an avenue to either have Atkins available for these games or to have uh, a position open up to where they can have an on-field guy uh, during those weeks, which I wonder, yeah, that's probably what it has to be, right? Because, I mean, you're going to suspend a guy. The whole point of suspending him is that so that you guys have to coach a man down, but you're going to try to, I guess, appeal to that and be like, well, can we just have somebody else coach and not necessarily him? So, if that's something that's been worrying you folks about, oh, how they're going to get through this three weeks without having Alex Atkins. Well, you know, Michigan made it work and figured yeah. it out, so it won't be that big of a deal. But he still can coach throughout the week. He just won't be able to coach on game days. Well, and I also wonder, because of the stuff with uh, Tennessee and because they got in trouble for an NIL violation, right? Yeah, yeah the, um, uh, their quarterback. Yeah. And they're, but they're suing 
the NCAA. So I guess maybe if that thing gets resolved before August, one way or the other, and they don't have to, they don't have to, uh, you know, those punishments are unlevied, then maybe uh, maybe Florida State can use that as a precedent and be like, okay, well, you're not punishing Tennessee for worse violations, then uh, you're not, we're not gonna. We're not going to serve the suspension either. Maybe they'll do the thing where they did where Primo Spears gets to play now, but Daryl mm. Jackson didn't. Yeah, like they just blow it up and say, you know what? Everybody, never mind. Any punishments we've levied for uh, for NIL violations, we retract them all. Something like that, maybe. Yeah, last I saw, NCAA was actually doing all right in that battle. Like I think Tennessee had filed like a temporary restraining order, and I think the NCAA or the the, the courts fa- ruled in favor of the NCAA to that uh, these – penalties are going to stand hold and stand pat because Tennessee was arguing like this is, you know, if you cannot properly use NIL in recruiting a player, that's not going to give players the the full value, the full scope of what their value is. And it's going to create long lasting punishment that's going to, you know, supersede past this little window of time. And it's like, man, just 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 deal with it, guys. Like, take you got caught on it. You're going to be able to keep the kid. He's not losing any eligibility. And everybody's rallying around Tennessee and Virginia. Like, yeah, let's go. And Heupel's getting involved now and pushing back on it. And the court's actually ruled in favor of the NCAA. It's like, all right, I, th- I thought we needed guardrails. I thought we needed rules. Yeah. And then once rules start being applied, then everybody throws their hands up in the air and wants to overthrow the NCAA. But nonetheless. Right. All right, well, football's in the rear view. What else are we going to talk about? What else are we going to do over at mybookie.ag? Well, there's everything. I mean, there's like badminton you could bet on if you wanted to, if you if you got your badminton game up and running. Uh, I don't necessarily, though. But the NBA in full swing, Premier League, NHL, La Liga, Live Golf. That's all available for you. Esports as well. Oh, and there's futures. There's futures when it comes to uh, NCAA football for this upcoming season. Florida State plus 1,800. I think that's about steady where they've held. Ninth best odds of winning the national title this upcoming season. Georgia, the odds on favorite. Ohio State, which, oh, we should talk about Ohio State here in a little bit. Uh, Second best odds at plus 500. Texas, plus 750. Alabama, plus 1100. We can probably talk about them too. Use the promo code WORKCHANT when you go to mybookie.ag for the first time and get an instant cash deposit bonus just by typing in WORKCHANT. Promo requires $50 minimum deposit and rollover requirement of one-time your deposit total, including your bonus for withdrawal. For full terms and conditions, visit mybookie.ag slash about dash us. Terrible planning on my part. Should have talked about the football stuff before we went uh, to break to then talk about uh, the memorial service for Mike Martin Sr. on Saturday, but wanted to kind of maybe touch on that real quick, how crazy football continually is. Chip Kelly quits his head coaching job at UCLA to take the OC job at Ohio State because Ohio State's new OC, Bill O'Brien, left after, I don't know, seven days on the job maybe yeah. to go become the head coach at Boston College, who is your week two opponent if you're Florida State. So I guess the portal's never really ever going to close, Corey, because all these teams that I just mentioned with, I guess, I don't know, is it at least UCLA because it's the head coach. I guess Ohio State, yeah. he's not the head coach. Uh, but UCLA now has got players that you can go uh, kick the tires on after their head coach leaves to go take an OC job, which he's probably going to lose $3 million a year, uh, at least this season. I mean, I guess the conventional wisdom is he's probably going to get fired after this year anyways. I, I don't know why you wouldn't just take the $4 million, $5 million to make it at UCLA and then get fired as opposed to the two you'll make at Ohio State. But uh, that's his decision. Bill O'Brien, though, at Boston College, that feels like a pretty good hire, but so did Scott Frost in Nebraska. Thoughts on uh, this rigmarole carousel that never stops, Corey? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's odd. It's odd that you would leave a head coaching job at a power five, a Big Ten school, um, to go be an OC in the same conference. Um, Chip Kelly's a weird dude. Uh, clearly, he didn't think they were going to compete, uh, and he was going to get fired, and he saved himself from getting fired. But he, he and I, I feel like, yeah, and I guess you know he's made enough money. Honestly, he's made enough money where that's not a driving force because clearly he costs himself money either by getting fired and getting the buyout or just the the yearly salary. But man, yeah, it's tough to be it's tough to be a head coach, especially if you're kind of old in college football right now with the rules or non-rules is the way they are. That's why Florida State fans quite honestly are very lucky. Yes. They have a dude that's an energizer buddy, bunny that seemingly loves this current system, thrives in it, and you have an advantage over all these guys that have been really good coaches for a long time but just can't keep up and don't want to keep up. Saban got out earlier than he wanted to, I think. Uh, Obviously, Chip Kelly didn't want to do it anymore. Brian Kelly, he's the next one on the list to watch. Um, These guys that have grown up in a – not grown up, but but coached for decades in in one system, and now it's completely been flipped – it's going to get them out of the game, or, or at least to different. Well, Halfley, you know, right? Halfley leaving Boston College to go to the Packers, think they have a yeah. job. You know, that's, yeah, man, yeah, that's uh, so. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that what, what it tells me is that it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and being a head coach in college football has never only been about the football. It's been about other things, clearly, but it's mostly been about football and how good a coach you are. Well, now it's how good you are at roster retention. And how good you are at talent acquisition. More than it's ever been. Because it's never been quite like this. And right now, it would seem that Florida State's got a really good guy at it. Um, and other people can't keep up. So, what are you going to do? Yeah, like, look at Dabo right now. Like, he he seemingly possesses the ability to keep up, but chooses not to. So, it's like even guys that have the potential and the, and the tools to probably flourish in this era are not doing it. And Florida State has a guy... Um, that is flourishing in this. And, you know, I guess we'll never really know whether or not he was Alabama's first choice, but there was at least probably enough interest on one side heavily to lead to that enhanced contract that's going to pay him over $10 million for like the next eight years. Alabama just lost their OC. Like Ryan Grubb, who Saban tried to bring in 23, but he didn't want to leave Washington. So he went and got Tommy Reese. Tommy Reese, you know, went to the Browns. I think he's their tight ends coach now. Like Alabama now is here in February. The window is closed pretty much in terms of, you know, being able to get guys out of the portal. I mean, if their name is still in the portal from December and they don't have a school right now, there's probably a reason for that. No, they just lost their OC. Like the whole thing was, we're going to keep this thing together at least. They kept the OC and the O-line coach. OC took the O-line coach to go to the Seahawks. That makes some sense because that's, that's not a lateral move, being an OC at Alabama and then being an OC for the Seattle Seahawks. But it, the timing is kind of it's gross. Terrible. <laughs> but it's also the beauty is, and I know people were upset at the timing because it just so happened to come after that 30-day window had closed. Uh, but those kids could go right. The window opens back up in a couple of months. Right. So if these guys really decide they don't want to be a part of Alabama football anymore – they can get back into the portal in a couple of months well, as soon as still, spring practice is over. They still have some time, I think, right? Because when did Saban didn't 
Saban uh, retired. I feel like that was 30 days ago, right? Been about Wasn't it? Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, so I thought the window – I literally thought the window had just closed for them, and then their OC left. Oh, oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's that's not great timing. But, I, again, they can – it opens back up in a couple of months. But also the people that get so upset with these guys leaving, these players leaving, um, and not showing any loyalty and blah, blah, blah. Literally, man, look at these grown-ass 55-year-old men and how they handle themselves. O'Brien was at Ohio State for a week, Aslan just said. Now he moves on. Uh, Grubb was in Tuscaloosa for like two weeks and just like, oh, my bad, guys, I'm actually taking another job. Chip Kelly recruited a whole class and brought in transfer kids to then say, no, no, I'm going to Columbus, Ohio, in the middle of a semester. Yeah. So these guys are looking out for themselves, clearly, and I get it. We all look out for ourselves. We can't then get mad at 19-year-olds that look out for themselves is all. Right. Uh, that, that's all. You know so, what we uh, can get mad at, though, mm. uh, are, are these coaching contracts, right? Because they negotiate yep. they negotiate these crazy terms. They need the years. Yep. They need the money to, to, to make sure the school's invested in them. It's going to sure. give me the time to build my program. Let How can I recruit? How yeah. can I recruit unless I have a nine-year contract? That yeah. kid in elementary school needs to know that I'm going to be here in 2031. Yeah, and they Nonsense. commit all those years, all that money. And they're like, you know what? Never mind. I'm going to quit in February. Yep. Sorry. Yep. Good luck. But who do you blame? You don't blame you can't blame Jimmy Sexton the super agent. Well, you he, can't blame the coaches. He's going to he's going to blame the fact, you know, what's being carried out there by the people in that sphere that report on these things like, yeah, you know, he didn't have the NIL support. So he's going to like, yeah, you guys didn't want to pay me to get players. Well, then I'm it's just like, well, man, how cr- but think about you that. You make 5 man. million dollars a year, you want to give, you know, just give us 500,000 of that towards NIL. Yeah. Because listen, I've I've heard on good authority, De- Deion Sanders apparently now has a share of a supplement company called Redcon. And apparently part of it was he gets equity in this company, but they're also going to give him a like stipend every single year so that he can use to invest in his NIL. Mm. So like he's out there trying to find ways to create money to help his program. Like, I don't know, Chip Kelly, it's just what a coward move. Like UCLA is a pretty decent job. You should be able to win 10 games steady there. And I think you have enough. Well, of don't recruiting. say that. I don't think about that. I don't think that they've never won ten games steady there ever in eh, sixty years. Eh, sixty years. I knew Heisel and, and uh, uh, Jim Moore Jr. had like every two three years <laughs> well, to have like a ten. Those great season. runs that we all remember from New Heisel. Yeah, no, they're not a horrible program, but they're not USC. They don't. They they're just not one of those blue bloods that should win ten games a year. But they shouldn't be horrible, and they're a Big Ten school. I get what you're saying there. Yeah. So you know, figure out a way to open up sources of revenue to get the players that you want. You know, you want to just, you want to just sit back and like, Hey, I need the money and they can't give you exactly the allowance that you want. And then you're just going to throw your hands up and, and hose all these other kids that you brought into the program. You're like, actually, no, these guys aren't good enough for me to win games. I'm going to get fired anyways. Thanks for coming out. Bye. Like how much time is whoever replaces him going to need to get that program close to being back on track, but whatever. Well, it was never really, it's also, it was also never really on track. So at least there's not a lot of um, expectations out there. What I think is crazy, the way you were talking, and it's just when you, when you take a step back and look at something like a lay person, like, you know, I know the people listening to this and you and I are heavily invested in college football, but if you were just explaining to someone like a 10 year old or a, or a Martian, the rules of this sport and how it works currently. And here's the scenario, folks. The Battles Inn has done a great job getting Mike Norvell a lot of really good football players. Phenomenal which, job. Which means the Florida State fan base, some many, you know, a select few, a lot more than others, have invested heavily 
in making sure this roster is stacked with very good college football players. Mike Norvell has turned that into a $10 million a year contract for himself. He doesn't pay any of that contract, any of his salary. I don't, maybe he does, hopefully he does, to battles in to help them get him players. And yet, let's say the LSU job comes open in two years. Are you going to have to give him another huge raise to keep him? And the only reason he is not the only reason, he's a good coach. You guys know how I feel about Mike Norbell. This is more of an indictment of the system, not of him as a person. I'm just using him as an example. The only reason he would be coveted by LSU, not the only reason, again, a big portion of the reason, is because of what you guys have done to give him a roster. Mm. And he's going to use that money in those players and those really good players and the Jared Verses and the Keon Coleman's of the world to turn that into a better job for himself. It's crazy. This is ludicrous what this sport is becoming when you take a step back. That said, donate to Battles End, gang. Get this guy. like that, And that's the one thing I would say when I look at it is like you people uh, – what do you mean you people? Yeah. Uh, you, you people, the ones that donate, and I, can't, I, I know plenty of people, some in my family, that donate. So I'm not judging anyone. I get it. You're not the way you got to look at it is you're not doing it for Mike Norvell. You're doing it for you. You're doing it for your university. You want your university to be good at football. It should, and I get that. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm saying one of the one of the byproducts of that is the guy that gets ten million dollars a year. It reminds me a little bit of like these these NFL owners that have the city build their stadium for them, mm. but then don't split any of the profits with the stadium, like. Atlanta had to pony up. I know it was it was a tourist tax, but the tax money from Atlanta helped build Mercedes-Benz for Arthur Blank. He paid for half of it. Arthur Blank, uh, the city paid for the other half of it. Arthur Blank keeps a hundred percent of the profits. Yet he only built he only paid for half of the stadium. Mike Norvell and people like him. Again, I'm just using him as an example because we're a Florida State uh, podcast. He he gets these huge contracts. But is he going to share that money back in, put it back into the pot right. to take some of the uh, burden off the fan base that has to pay for his roster? Do you see how crazy this sport is, everyone? But what he would say is, look at all that money they gave Jimbo Fisher to create yeah. a roster. You're right. And look how that worked out. No, no. Again, so, I again. I know, he's I not, know, but I'm, you I'm, know what I'm saying. The person yeah, that's it. yelling at us saying this. Uh, and by the way, last note on that, 2018 coaching cycle, Power 5 head coaching hires, Herm Edwards at Arizona State, Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M, Scott Frost, Nebraska, Chip Kelly, UCLA, Matt Luke, Yikes. Ole Miss, uh, Joe Moorhead, Mississippi State, Chad Morris, Arkansas, Jeremy Pruitt, Tennessee, Kevin Sumlin, Arizona, Willie Taggart, Florida State. Mm. Uh, Dan Mullen also got hired by Florida. That was the year Oregon hired Mario Cristobal after uh, Willie left, and then Oregon State also hired their coach, Jonathan Smith. So then I guess who won that? Florida? I, I, I In my tweet, I'm like, I guess your winners are Dan Mullen and Jonathan Smith and maybe Mario. But Smith isn't there anymore, right? And Mario was – I know Mullen isn't either, but, yeah. I, you know, golly. And Mullen won you some games, but he yeah. wore the Darth Vader mask and was an idiot. I think he took it to uh, three New Year's Six Bowls. And he was up yeah. on Alabama at halftime. Yeah. And then they finished the year like five and six, and they fired him before the Florida uh, Florida State game or the week That's before right. that one. Um, so yeah, that you know, oh well, 
That's yeah, it's a crazy, crazy sport they got. Crazy, uh, crazy profession. And uh, yeah, I want you to guy. I want to reiterate. I'm not taking a shot at Mike Norvell. I'm taking a shot yeah. at the system. I'm just using him as an example. I could have used Kirby as an example or uh, Kalen DeBoer because he's going to get a ton of money from those boosters to try to get himself a program. And then if he gets good and is really good, he'll probably use that to go coach the Seahawks. Hmm. Yeah, that's just that's the sport we live in. It's just so odd that that the fans. Like Chip Kelly's complaining, it goes it takes me back to the original point I was trying to make. Chip Kelly's complaining about the fans not paying for his roster, paying enough for his roster. It's like, man, you don't have fans that are as rich as you. Why don't you pay for some of that roster, man? Hmm. You get to cash all the checks, but you want these fans whose livelihoods don't depend on that football team being good to spend their money to help you have a good football program so then you can maybe, what, get back to the NFL? And then you're going to leave them high and dry anyway because they didn't, they didn't give you enough NIL. It's just yuck. It's all yuck right now. Uh, Bruce Feldman reporting P.J. Fleck out on the UCLA mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Uh, San Jose State's Brent Brennan, who I think, did he take the Arizona job after? Maybe, yeah. Um, I thought he did. After thought, uh, what's his name? What's the guy's name? It's a Washington now. Jed Fish left. Fish, yeah. Uh, UNLV's Barry Odom's in the mix. Mm, okay, uh, Barry. Uh, and Troy Taylor from Stanford. So is Nebraska's defensive coordinator Tony White, who was at Syracuse uh, mm. two years ago. So. Okay, a lot, a lot of moving around. A lot of moving around in that business. Unbelievable. A lot of moving around for Corey Clark, driving all the way from Atlanta, Tallahassee, Tallahassee to Atlanta. You spent the whole weekend in Tallahassee. Mm. Uh, Checking out everything on a Saturday. Basketball, you're also over at Hauser. Uh, yeah. How did that game against Virginia look? I would have told everybody to take the under on that game. What happened? Uh, Crazy. Pa- pack line defense, not that big of a deal, but just uh, ran out of steam in the end, the Knolls against Virginia. I couldn't get the stops they wanted there, Aslan. They gave up 46 points in the second half. It's hard to give up 80 points to Virginia at that pace. Uh, defense, uh, just, you know, they had a couple kids that uh, one kid scored a career high. Uh, 29 points. He had five threes. Most of them pretty open. Uh, just that's what happens. They're not. They're not all that good defensively, but they did. Again, it was an exciting game, and they did play hard. They fought back. They got down. They got down by a double digits twice in the second half, and then cut it back to two each time. Um, Chandler Jackson had a really good game off the bench. Jameer Watkins. I think the biggest reason they they got they scored that many points, and it was such a high scoring game is that they finally the refs finally called fouls on Virginia. Virginia usually for years they'll be they'll be 2 minutes left in the half and they'll have three team fouls or one team foul. Mm-hmm. Even though they're very very physical. I'm not saying they're dirty, they're just very physical. But in this game they were being called for a lot of fouls and Florida State shot pretty well from the free throw line. I think Watkins was 10 of 11 by himself. Um, he had 21. Chandler Jackson had a good game. The the end of the at the end of the day though one team was 10 of 18 from three, and the other team was two of 16. Oof. So you wonder which one. And not only that, so Virginia made eight more three-pointers than Florida State did. They also got fouled on a three-point attempt and made all three free throws. So when you do that math, they outscored Florida State by 27 points beyond the arc. And I like – I really do. I know people get tired of me saying this, I, or maybe I haven't said it a lot – I do like the, I do like a core group of these guys. I really do. Like Watkins can flat out play. He can. Um, Baba Miller has some. He's just a good all around player. Not great by any stretch, but he is a decent to good all around player. 
you've got guys. Corin has his moments. I think Bull Bowen's going to be a nice player. They got some pieces. Uh, they just can't shoot. And next year, they they bring everybody back. Theoretically, obviously, it's college of athletics in twenty four, so they won't be everybody won't be coming back. They bring everybody back, but Darren Green. Well, Darren Green is the only guy that even has a you could even call a shooter. And he was horrible on Saturday night. He was 0 for 6, I think, from 3, or 0 for 5 from 3. 0 for 6, uh, you're right. Was he? So, I mean, good grief, man. If You you can't win games if he's not making shots because he's the only guy on your team that makes threes. So, okay, at a consistent rate. That's actually a, He's a guy on a scouting report that they have to say, don't give him an open look. He's the only guy on the scouting report that, they, that other teams say that about. And as we move forward with this core group of guys, if they stay, and if Leonard is their coach, you got to go get some shooters, man. You can't play modern-day college basketball and not be able to shoot from three because you are such at a disadvantage in every game you play. And you can never be really good if you can't shoot threes. You look back at that COVID team that had a really, really good chance of getting to the Final Four. MJ Walker was a knockdown shooter. Devin Vassell was a knockdown shooter. They had one other dude that I can't think of off the top of my head. Patrick Williams was a good three-point shooter. Uh, Raekwon Gray could shoot threes. Like, they had guys that could step out and make big shots if they were open. This team has none of that, and that's why they're 13-10. and 10. But I did like the fact that they didn't – when they got down – when you get down to 11, by 11 or 12 to Virginia in the second half, those things turn into 25-point blowouts pretty quickly because you're like, man, we're not going to come back. There aren't enough possessions. They don't play fast enough for us to come back from the – but they fought back twice and had a chance to tie the game a couple of different times in the second half, which I thought was good to see. They didn't give up. They fought. They made it hard on Virginia. It wasn't just a cruising – they didn't just cruise to a win. So I, I like that. I like the fight in them. They just can't shoot, mm. and it's hard to win games when you can't shoot. Anthony Polite, another shooter. There you go. Man, that was a – Wyatt Wilkes, another shooter. Well, yeah, but what Wilkes was a guy that could come in. Yeah, he had the game against Notre Dame where he hit five or six threes. But, yeah, man, you're talking about that is a very good three-point shooting team or has guys that can go on runs. Polite had a game where he made four threes in a row. Wilkes had a game where he made five or six threes. Vassell and MJ Walker both had games where they made four or five threes. Florida State doesn't have any of that. They have one guy that might make some threes, and you just can't win at a high level. Um when, when you when you can't shoot. But luckily for Florida State and for Leonard and his staff, there are plenty of great shooters around the country. Go get a couple. Go get a couple and run it back. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're it's it's close enough to where I'm sure Leonard's thinking to himself, like, all right, listen, I showed you I've stopped the bleeding. We're maybe yeah, not they're thriving. not an embarrassment. Well, right. last year they were an embarrassment. Yeah, the end of like, the year before they were an embarrassment. I was probably like, hey, I've I've stopped the bleeding. Let me get a couple more. Like I'm sure like that Exit interview is going to be like, all right, if, if these are the pieces I need, I think it's practical to think that we can go get these kind of caliber of kids. But I just wonder what the calculus is going to be on yeah. Michael Offer being like, we'll give you that time. We'll give you those resources to get these players. Or what are we chasing, though? Like, right. Are just, that's, that's, those, are, those are all – and he's 75 years old. So those are all legitimate points. It's not going to be an easy uh, decision or conversation if this if this season goes the way it looks like it'll go, which will probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of like I don't know seventeen and fifteen. An IT team maybe. I don't know. You don't even need to play in the IT, but who even cares about that? But like seventeen and fifteen. So last year they won nine games. It was the worst season in school history. Well, they they've gotten to seventeen wins. That is a a really marked improvement. But you're also you know you're in year twenty. Right? 
or 21, like this is going to be now a third rebuild that you have to do. Um, and it's 75 years old. And what, what are the, what are the, what are the uh, steps that are being taken to make sure next year's team is a legitimate, like top half of the ACC, top four NCAA tournament type team? Like, is that is that going to happen? And man, I just I keep thinking about that 2020 team. Man, you had those guys you just talked about. They could shoot. They had two seven footers that could protect the rim with uh, uh, Balsa and uh, Olenichek. They had freakazoid Patrick Williams. They had Vassell, both of those, and Vassell, who were both great defenders. MJ Walker was a good defender. Trent Forrest was a really good defender. And at the end of the game, you had a guy in Forrest that you always knew was going to get you a good look in the paint and probably make it. And you had that all, they had leadership. They were good on defense. They could shoot. They were a good free throw shooting team down the stretch. They had all the makings of a team that could really go on the run in an NCAA tournament, and it didn't happen. Mm. And it's been a downhill slog ever since. I guess, you know, by the same token, uh, wrapping up thoughts on hoops, I just, you know, let's say, I don't know, man, let's just say moonshot, like Sam Cassell. Like, what is Sam Cassell going to do differently than Leonard? Like, it doesn't feel like people have turned on Leonard, whoever helps that aspect of recruiting or, you know, NIL. I, as long as those people, I guess, don't turn their backs on Leonard, that's still, you know, an available avenue to, to improve this roster. But, they seemingly play hard, like to your point, they just don't have shooters, but will a new coach attract that talent? But I feel like money attracts talent, not yes. coaching. So well, you know, they, what and fixes, look, what changes really, you know? We ripped the conference, but getting to play in the ACC, getting to play big-time college football, those are all attractive qualities. You could go get a kid from Winthrop or Elon that's a that's a you know that kid from Virginia Virginia has a kid that's a he made a he made probably the biggest three of the game when Florida State made their first run in the second half his name's Groves he's like a 6'10 kid Jacob uh, Groves he, yeah he's shooting like 52% from three point range that's nuts that's, that's amazing yeah that's crazy. and it not he's not two of he's not like three of six He's like 37 of 52 like it's it's really incredible um they got dudes that can shoot man and you need them you just need them. You can't – I think Tom House was supposed to be a shooter. That clearly hasn't happened. Nickelberry was supposed to be a shooter from LaSalle, the transfer. That has not happened. Mm -hmm. Primo Spears, I think he's gone two straight games without a bucket, which is crazy, but that hasn't worked. Uh, but at the end of the day, they also scored 76 points against Virginia, so it's not like they did a lot of – they were really good offensively other than, you know, the three-point shooting. They did a great job attacking the rim. They got to the free-throw line. They were the more physical team. That was all good to see. Um, it's just, you know, the defense kind of let them down there for stretches in the second half. And Virginia made some tough shots, so give them credit. They have, they're have they better. I want to say that, too. Florida State <laughs> lost to a better team. That has happened. And that has happened. I would say all their ACC losses, save for the crazy Louisville game, they just lost to a better team. They lost to Carolina twice, Clemson, and now uh, uh, Virginia. Those are better teams than Florida State. And they were in every game. Literally, even the one at Carolina they were in. Yeah. Um, so they, you they know, were up they're, big. They are up like double digits in yeah, the second half. in the second half. They're, they're, play, they're a better team than they were last year. Substantially, significantly better. Yeah. But are they good enough? That's <clears> what Offord and company have to figure out. That Groves kid started at Eastern Washington, then he was at Oklahoma the last two years before going to Virginia. He is currently 37 of 72, a 51% uh, Clip yeah. shooting behind the arc. Yep. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, before hoops, you were over at Hauser Stadium uh, at high noon. Memorial for uh, the late, great Mike Martin Sr. 
uh, head coach at Florida State Baseball for, uh, God, was it 40 years that he did it? 40 yeah. years? Yep. Winning 40 games, taking us to Omaha seemingly every other year. Um, you know, I was out on the town on Friday night, and I even saw some former players uh, that are still in the league right now. They're in the show, making mm. money, uh, thumping shots, if you will. And they, they came back. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I obviously know why you're here. Uh, you actually met, went out to Hauser. So the family's wishes were that there would be no photography, no live video taken. The university took photos and some video. I think later today, I think on Monday, if I'm not mistaken, they're going to make the full memorial replay available. So that's why I wasn't there. Plus, I, don't know, I was just like, well, you know. Just gonna hang tight and hang back at the house. I was thinking about maybe I was feeling guilty. I'm like maybe I should actually go to Orlando with Ira. Well, uh, but then I convinced myself not. You to didn't do- feel you didn't feel that guilty. I know I did. I don't blame you. I don't blame you, buddy. <laughs> I, that's why I made the con- anyhow. Um, you were there, Corey. Ira was there too, and then he went to Orlando after that. Ira just yeah. again a playmaker. Uh, what was the the scene like? Can you kind of give us a feel for uh, the atmosphere? And uh, did you see a lot of uh, former great Seminoles back in attendance to pay their tribute to a uh, all time great? Yeah, you know, Cal Raleigh was there. Um, uh, JD Buster were there. Uh, I saw Charlie Ward just sitting down the the first base line in the bleachers, just kind of by himself, hmm. which I thought was cool. Just you know, there's a Heisman winner just sitting there on her, and he didn't play for eleven either. He was just there. Um, but there were, there were two things. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was very heavily the, the, and you guys will see it when the, when the university releases it, uh, it was a lot about his faith, which is understandable. That was an enormous part of his life, but you know, they also did it at Hauser. So his coffin was right by home plate. Uh, they brought that out the hearse. So the family drove up and they all family and friends, close friends, uh, came out and sat by home plate. There were probably, I don't know, 40 or 50 people sitting down there. You know, Carol, Meat, um, you, you know, the, the the extended family. Grandchildren and everybody. Yeah. Jimbo Fisher was, was he down on the there. field? He was on the field, yeah, like which that. I thought was cool because I didn't know. I knew him and Meat were really good friends back when Jimbo was at Florida State. I didn't know if they had stayed good friends once he left for College Station. Uh, but uh, clearly he did because he was down on the field with, with family and, and close friends. So that was cool to see mm. uh, that Jimbo would not only come back for that, but be, you know, kind of be, be out in public in front of thousands of Florida State fans honoring this person who, again, he didn't he didn't play for, obviously, but he had a relationship with a good one um, when he was when he was at Florida State for those for that decade. And then so I thought that was cool. What I thought was so Eduardo Perez was there, which mm. Eduardo Perez was one of his all time great All-Americans that 11 had. But um, Kyle Peterson was there. No, no kidding. And I don't know why that touched me so much when I saw that. Uh, for you guys that don't know, Kyle Peterson, don't take this the wrong way, is like the Kirk Herbstreet of college baseball for ESPN. He's the, he's the main analyst. He's the guy that's on the selection show. He's the one that knows the most that they use as an authority to talk about the sport. He's the national college baseball guy for ESPN and he's very very good at his job he's very likable he's not he is he's yeah he's not uh there's not a lot of uh he's not a divisive figure he's not divisive at all right and he's but he's also a Stanford guy yeah you know he actually played against 11 a few times back in the 90s when he when he was pitching there. I guess he probably would have played against JD in those teams he's but he he's a native Nebraskan though he's a native Nebraskan he's from Omaha but he went to Stanford so he loves college baseball how about that like he doesn't live in Tallahassee he's got no connection 
to, to Florida State, other than being a college football and uh, college baseball analyst. Not but a cheap him, flight. Not a cheap flight to get right. out to Tallahassee either. Everybody. So, so for him showing up, I just thought I just thought that was really neat. Uh, and it's Bob Thomas, the former uh, FSU baseball SID and a longtime uh, print media member for Jacksonville. I was telling him that story, how cool I thought it was and how much it – I was like, man, that says a lot about just who Kyle Peterson is, that he would show up for something like that. When no, he, wasn't, he wasn't tweeting about it. He wasn't doing selfies like, look, I'm going to look at me, everyone. Yeah. He was just there behind home plate sitting with Eduardo Perez for the ceremony. And then, and then uh, Bob Thomas was like, yeah, it also tells you something about 11 too. Mm. which it absolutely does. That's the kind of impact he had on people. Uh, he was such a great – the people that love the sport of college baseball, and that's kind of a niche niche kind of deal, but the people that love it, like Kyle Peterson, where it's the most important thing in his life, know how, how big a deal Mike Martin was. Yeah. He was a giant. And so they, he came to pay his respects, and I just thought that was, uh, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, oh, and, Sh- and I wanted to say this. I um, – Bill Smith, I, I only, only bring this up because multiple people talked to me about it afterwards. Bill Smith gave the eulogy um, for floor, for, for uh, 11. He was his best friend. He's the uh, – see, was he owned Capital City Bank? Uh, is, is he the guy that put the wheels in motion for Bobby to have to have – Well, let's exit? not bring that up, but he's a big, big huge donor. He's a big, big donor. I think he, I, he he's a, a, a very successful – local businessman in town and, and a banker, a very nice man. I met, met him on uh, a number of occasions. But he was, he was 11's best friend. Uh, they've known each other for, you know, obviously decades and decades. And uh, he brought me up in the eulogy very quickly. No but he's like, I, he's like, I'd like to thank uh, Jim Henry and Corey Clark, Jim Henry who works with the Democrat, obviously, yeah. uh, for all their great coverage over the years. And he's like, Corey, and he paused and I'm like, he's not about to ask me to stand up, is he? Because I don't want to do that. He just paused and then was like, and you're right, he treated us all like family. Um, which, But just him saying that, it, it, you know, I kind of got choked up a little bit, just that 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 he he felt the need. He didn't feel the need, but he brought my name up, which was really cool. Um, I'm going to email him and tell him thank you for that. That really did mean a lot uh, that he would uh, that, that he would bring me and Jim Henry's name up because there that, that's the beauty. We represent, I think, Jim and Jim and myself, dozens upon hundreds of media members over the years who were lucky enough to get to cover eleven. Yeah. He he just mentioned us two by name, um, and I you think wrote me, really good eulogies. Yeah, uh, right, exactly. Or so we, obituaries, we, obituaries. We wrote yeah. we wrote about him after he passed away, and because uh, we had the platforms to do it. But over the years, there were just hundreds of media members who would probably think of Mike Martin as a, a, a either a friend or a friendly acquaintance at, at, at work. nobody thought of him as an enemy and I, I just thought that was that was really nice of him to uh, to, to throw my name out there like that that was a, that was a really a really meaningful shout out that he didn't have to do and he was I, I liked his eulogy and then we'll go people watch it uh, we're not going to spend I don't want to spend 20 minutes talking about it because it was you go watch it for yourselves but he was the baseball element of it other than you know it being a Hauser, he was he was the one that talked about baseball and how important baseball was to eleven. And I just thought he, he did a really really good job. And then they showed I don't remember if you remember those videos that that eleven wrote and Carol Martin wrote his last year. Yeah, yeah. About like to my to my loving husband, right. and then yeah. uh, Mike Martin's was to my loving universe to my alma mater. Yeah. They showed those videos, and man, that that was tough to get through. That's uh that was that was something. Again, I just. I can't stress enough how much that man loved Florida State. He loved his spirituality more. He loved his family more. But that's it. 
there i mean he had an uh, an undying love for that for for Florida State University um and it's it was just uh it was a really nice it was a really good ceremony um and then it was cool that all the players got to be there all the former players and I know they hung out afterwards in in college town and got to do their own thing and and really kind of, they made it kind of almost like a reunion mm. um for for each decade and that was a, so it was a cool thing uh, Bill Smith Chairman, President, Chief Executive Officer of Capital City Bank, Chairman of Boom. the Board of Capital City Bank, Boom. according to his high school profile from his alma mater that he went to. Currently a member of the Board of Directors of Capital City Bank Group, Capital City Bank, First National Bankers Bank, and Southern Company. Yeah. He's doing all right, sounds like. Well, he, right. that's why it was a front page story on the Democrat when he said it might be time for uh, Bobby Bowden to retire. <laughs> because he, he, is, he, is, he is a very, very important person in this uh and I knew it was Capital City Bank. I just wanted to make sure. But, Bill, that was very, very, uh, very nice of you. Way too kind. Uh, but I, I'm sure Jim appreciated it, and I definitely did appreciate it, too. All right. That's a wrap for us. Not sure what the schedule will hold for us this week. I think we're going to get some more newcomers, though, most likely. Mm. I might be down back home uh, for the softball tournament, the Shriners tournament. By uh, the way, not a, I, did, I, did, I wasn't in love with the softball team's weekend. We what? didn't touch on that. They went four and one, but yeah, they lost. They lost their opener. But they're four in a row. They won four Charlotte. in a row then. Yeah, but one of them they they won nine to eight. Uh, they they don't. Let's just say right now, because of the competition they faced, I'm a little concerned about the pitching. But we're, you know they they're you know obviously they lost the best pitcher in school history probably certainly one of them, um, and it's very very early. I get it. It's early February. Wasn't in love with what I saw. Uh, on the pitching side of things. But the offense looks really good. The offense should be really good. Uh, and the freshmen are all legit. They, it looks like they can all all can play. But, uh, yeah, just worried a little bit about the pitching right now. But if you remember last year, the pitching wasn't great to start the year. And I was kind of I, – I don't know if you remember that show. We need to delete it. But I was like, I don't, I don't think Sandra Cox got it this year. She doesn't look the same. And I was saying that in February, and then of course by uh, May she was throwing no hitters and regionals to advance or super regionals to advance to Oklahoma City. So uh, I was clearly wrong about that. So yeah, so it's early, way too early. Uh, just wasn't in love with what what we saw out of the gate, but treat it like preseason. Kaylee Harding with a record seven RBIs and one of the victories over Charlotte. Yeah. Uh, Issa Torres, who I think is one of the biggest, yeah, one of the big time freshmen, yeah. yeah, had a walk off hit against Texas Tech. Great one too, because that was they were down by a run with two outs and the bases loaded, and she had a, she ripped a single to center to win the game. So they'll be playing Stanford, UCLA, Georgia, Tennessee. Mm, yeah, Tennessee's ranked second, Georgia's ranked sixth, UCLA's ranked eighth, Stanford is ranked third. So go get them, go get them, ladies. Uh, We'll see if we can get an interview lineup for later this week and then how we'll play the rest of it out. Somebody uh, commented. Shout out to everybody who jumped into the comments on YouTube. Someone's like, oh, I see how you guys you guys are so high on yourselves. You think that you don't have to uh, release a show every week. That's it. I'm done with you guys. Mm. And everybody in the comments section is like, hey, man, chill out. It's the offseason. What do you want them to do? So thanks to those folks who jumped to our uh, And he said every week or every day? Every day. I think he's like, oh, oh okay. He's like, oh, you guys don't think you need to do a show every day anymore, huh? I'm done with you then. So he wants us to do a show every day, but because we're not doing a show every day, he's now done with us? Yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P., buddy. I just don't see how that math works. Like, you, you, you're you, mad at us for not doing a show every day, but you would think that would make you want to hear us more, not like, screw you guys, you don't do a show every day. 
I'm I'm a very I'm a big absence makes the heart grow fonder kind of. Not guy. that guy. Not you him. Flood him. Flood him with content, baby. Flood him with content. Hey, when are we having your bachelor party? How'd your uh, how'd your missuses your the missus to be? How how was her bachelorette party? Everything work out all right? A little sloppy at the end. Uh, all right, not, not gonna lie, but that's to be expected. It's a bachelorette party. She had a, she had a very good time. She we she went golfing during the day, and yeah. I drove the cart with them. That wasn't really part of the bachelorette party. That would have been weird if I crashed that on mm-hmm. the golf course. It was just three of them, and then me, and then uh, and then went to uh, a rooftop bar in town for drinks, okay. and then went to a very nice restaurant in town uh, for dinner, and then wound up at uh, Dukes and Dotties. Oh, aggressive. Very, very, way too aggressive. I roll in at a le- – oh, boy, that was a scene. Uh, mechanical bull, though, so that's fun. Uh, Stephanie did not partake in that. And then, obviously, end of the night at Corner Pocket where she couldn't keep her heels on. Yeah. She was in much too uh, – she was in a very nice dress and some heels rolling into Corner Pocket. All only right. – and the only reason we went there because I was – I really was ready to get home. I had to eat something. And when I when, – hey, when I want a late-night snack – I'm not going to sit in line at some fast food place. I'll go to Corner Pocket and get a wrap. Get me a smokehouse chicken wrap. So that's what I did. All right, we're done. Plenty more of a uh, warchant.com stories coming out of the uh, the comments from Coach Norvell uh, this past weekend. And, and we'll let you know uh, the newcomers, transfers, freshmen, that will uh, seemingly, I think, we'll be speaking to later this week. And the Jeff Cameron Show, 1 to 3 o'clock, also keeping you informed. That was a good Monday show. Thanks for listening, everybody. He's Corey Maslon. Thanks for listening to Wake Up Board Champ presented by Corner Pocket Bar and Grill.